Welcome to worship at Edmonds United Methodist Church. No matter where you are on life's journey, no matter what you believe or doubt, no matter how much or how little you have, no matter your race, gender, or immigration status, and no matter whom you love, you are beloved belong and are welcome. We say these words every Sunday to remind ourselves that even though the world sometimes places limits on belovedness or worth, God doesn't. So friends, welcome. Aloha! <laughs> Welcome to worship here at the beautiful Edmonds United Methodist Church, where we have salt water of our own. Who needs those islands, right? <laughs> it's great for me to be back. My name is Donna Pritchard. I'm pastor here after uh, spending a couple weeks on the island of Maui. And thank you to all of you who worshiped together and led this church in my absence. I knew you could do it. And my name is Kathy Mathis, and I am the lay liturgist today, joining Pastor Donna. It is indeed a great pleasure to be together, and we welcome also those of you who are worshiping with us online. So let's turn around and say hello to our friends online. Welcome. And now, my friends, if you would rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Waiting is never easy for us. We are a culture of easy answers and instant responses. Little things are hard for us to value. Little seeds, small coins, hidden treasures. Yet little things matter. Little things may surprise us, may challenge us, may even change us. God's love comes to us in surprising ways, through little things that matter, things like worship, things like community, things that take time, little things that matter. Let us be open to all God's surprises as we worship together this day. Amen. So be it. And now, my friends, as we gather on the ancestral lands of the Coast Salish peoples, we want to begin our worship as we always do with an opportunity to reconcile our hearts to God and one another through the passing of the peace. You may pass the peace with whatever signs you and your partner are most comfortable with, whether that be a handshake, a hug, a sign of uh, deference, whatever fits for you. My friends, the peace of Christ be with you all.
please be seated. And I would like to invite any young folks in the congregation that might like to come up for just a moment or two. You wanna sit right here, that would be great. Hi guys, how's everybody? Good? Well, I have, oh, fabulous, come on over. I have something here in this box that may surprise you. I have a tree in this box. What do you think about that? It's kind of a small box, isn't it? It must be a very tiny tree. Would you like to see my tree? You're so right. If it's a tiny box, it would be a tiny tree. Well, there it is. Do you see it? <laughs> You're right. It is a cherry. But you know what? What's inside a cherry? That's right. Should we take a look at that? There's the seed that was inside the cherry. And now I don't know much about farming, and I know even little or even less about uh, gardening, which you can tell if you go to my house. Uh, <laughs> but I believe that if you were to take a seed, maybe like this one, and put it in, what do you think? In soil, has to be in the ground, doesn't it? And then what does it need? Whoops, there I threw it at you. Water. It needs water, that's right. And what else does it need? Sunlight. Sunlight, yes. And then over time, what might happen? It will It might grow, that's right. And pretty soon you would see a tree starting, right? That's exactly right. After it grew, after the tree grew up, and you know, it probably has to have some bees involved in this too. And then eventually you might get some more cherries that you could eat. But, and then you could plant the seeds again. You know what? Jesus once told, told the people around him a little story about seeds. Actually, he said, Several times he uses seeds as stories. But we're gonna hear a story today that talks about a particular kind of seed called a mustard seed. Now, it, you know, it does, it makes wild mustard and it, may, it grows in a bush. And in Jesus' time, people didn't really like mustard bushes. You don't like mustard either. Yeah, well, you know, it was kind of like if you wanted to have like blackberry bushes growing wild everywhere, mustard bushes were kind of a problem for the people. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said that the kingdom of God, that is God's reality, is little like a mustard seed or maybe even like a cherry seed, 
but out of it can grow really big things. Just like you and me, maybe little in our faith or in our lifetime or in the things that we know how to do, but even us, even those of us that think that we're really little and we can't offer much, we actually can be agents of God's love. And we are the ones who will grow God's kingdom here on earth. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for loving us. And thank you for your kingdom. Thank you for Jesus and for inviting us to plant seeds of your love. And all God's children said, Amen. Thanks so much. I believe we have nursery care today for those of you who want to go to the nursery. And there may be some crafts in the library if your parents want to go check that out with you. We'll see you a little bit later, okay? We have a great joy today because we get to participate together in a, a little thing that makes a big difference, which is the sacrament of baptism. And so I'll invite uh, Leo to come up with his family. introduce who's here with you. Sure. Hi everybody, my name is Annette. This is my husband Ryan and Leonard, we call him Leo for short. His grandmother Marita, his grandfather Tony, his au pair Bella, big brother Harrison, more of a crew, my mother Elizabeth, and uh, his grandfather Tim. Fabulous, thank you all for being here and being a part of this celebration with us. And you all have a part to play as well, so please follow along. And when we get to the responsive uh, prayer, I would invite you to join in that. So my siblings in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the spirit. All of this is God's gift offered to us without price. Leonard Anthony Agresta has come to be baptized here today. And we have a few questions for Annette and Ryan, since um, Leo might not be able to answer for himself today. <laughs> On behalf of the whole church, I ask you, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? I do. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? I do. Do you confess Jesus Christ as your savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord, 
in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. Will you nurture Leo in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example, he may be guided to profess his faith openly, to accept God's grace for himself, and to lead a Christian life? I will. And now to the congregation. Do you, as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in the Christian faith and life and include this child now before you in your care? With God's help, we will proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround this child with a community of love and forgiveness that he may grow in his service to others. We will pray for him that he may be a true disciple who walks in the way that leads to life. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. When nothing existed but chaos, you, God, swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Sing to the Lord all the earth, Tell of God's mercy each day. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Declare Christ's works to the nations, his glory among all the people. Pour out your Holy Spirit, O God, to bless this gift of water, and Leo has he receives it, to wash away his sin and clothe her, him in righteousness throughout his life, that dying and being raised with Christ, he may share in Christ's final victory. Amen. What do you think, buddy? Are you ready for this? We love water. You love water. Harrison, you want to help me? I bet your dad could lift you up and you could put a little water on your hand. And then we're going to put this water right on Leo's head. Leo Agresta, I baptize you in the name of God, <laughs> the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit known to us as creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. Amen. May the Holy Spirit work within you that being born through water and the Spirit, you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Yes. Now it is our joy to welcome our new sibling in Christ. Through baptism, you are incorporated by the Holy Spirit into God's holy creation 
and made to share in Christ's royal priesthood. We are all one in Christ Jesus. With joy and thanksgiving, we welcome you as a member of the family of Christ. Now, do you think he'll let me take a little walk with him? You can sure try. Let's give it a go, huh? Oh my gosh, you're getting big! Last time I held you, you weren't this heavy. It's going. Well, my friends, I just want to remind you all that you now have a new brother in the faith and a new responsibility. For this child is one of us, and we are going to care for him, and we are going to help him to know God's love and to share God's love throughout his life. It is our responsibility, and it is our great joy to welcome Leo into this family of faith. And oh my, what a brave boy. Of course, Leo and I, we go way back. <laughs> We're buds. So we have a little something for you. We give you this candle as a reminder that through each of us, God's light shines. And may this be a helpful reminder to Leo as he grows that God's light is seen in him as well. And we also have a certificate for you. You can blow it out now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, congratulations.
Amen. I want to give a brief introduction to the scripture that we will hear read today. Uh, it will come to us as a few parables attributed to Jesus meant to describe God's realm or what we might know as the kingdom of heaven. Each of these parables begins with a familiar formula, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then each is followed by a short metaphorical word picture. This is a very common format used by wisdom teachers throughout the ancient Middle East. And so the writer of the Gospel of Matthew consistently uses this formula to lift up Jesus as the most important wisdom teacher. Both the mustard seed and the leaven parables use symbols that are either not much favored, mustard plants were considered kind of like blackberry bushes here, they were like a noxious weed and the people were always trying to get rid of them because they would take over the garden. And they were also considered unclean. That is, the leaven was considered unclean. The leaven in the text is not like the yeast which I use when I'm making French croissants, a newly acquired skill, I might add. Throughout scripture, though, leaven is almost always understood as pointing to something unclean or evil. And the reason for that is the leavening agent of the time was created by sitting aside a portion of leftover bread and allowing it to spoil. If it wasn't allowed to spoil long enough, it was useless and it would not leaven the new bread. However, if it were left out too long, it could become toxic and in fact could even lead to fatalities through food poisoning. Taken together, the seed and the leaven then present powerful images about transformation and God's power to bring good, even huge good, out of insignificant and even bad circumstances. The last parables that we hear today are unique to Matthew's gospel, and they point to the ultimate value of God's realm. They speak directly to the struggling Christians at Antioch who have given up everything in order to follow the Jesus way. It's a way of reminding them that they have made the right choice. And in these parables, the gospel writer is telling us again that the kingdom of God is all about the marginalized, the unclean, and the left out. And that this realm of reality is worth us giving everything we have for it. Let's listen now as Diana reads the scriptures for us. Good morning, my name is Diana Nielsen. Please rise in whatever ways are meaningful to you for the reading of the scripture. 
The scripture lesson today is a reading of the Gospel according to Matthew, chapters 13, verses 31 through 33, and 44 through 52 in the Common English Bible Version. He told another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and planted in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it's grown, it's the largest of all vegetable plants. It becomes a tree so that the birds in the sky come and nest in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, which a woman took and hid in a bushel of wheat flour until the yeast had worked its way through all the dough. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that somebody hid in a field, which someone else found and covered up. Full of joy, the finder, the finder sold everything and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in fields of fine pearls. When he found one very precious pearl, he went and sold all that he owned and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that people threw into the lake and gathered all kinds of fish. When it was full, they pulled it to the shore, where they sat down and put the good fish together into containers. But the bad fish they threw away. That's the way it will be at the end of present age. And I gotta say, I find it really hard to read this last part. The angels will go out and separate the evil people from the righteous people and throw the evil ones into a burning fire. People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. Have you understood all these things, Jesus asked? They said to him, yes. Then he said to them, therefore, Every legal expert who has been trained as a disciple for the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household who brings old and new things out of their treasure chest. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Please remain standing for the singing of the hymn of preparation.
Well, Diana, I don't really appreciate that part either, which is why I intended not to have it read. <laughs> not your fault, not your fault. I didn't get back in time to proof everything, uh, but I intended to end with that um, second set of parables. So, not to worry, my friend. <laughs> well, grace and peace to you from God and from Jesus Christ, who calls us together as a part of God's kingdom. When my children were very young, one of our favorite books was Where's Waldo? Most of you know that book. It was a pretty easy read, mostly because it had no words. In fact, the whole point of every Where's Waldo book or card or computer game or t-shirt or coffee mug and every imaginable product is to find Waldo. He's an ordinary looking guy with glasses and a red and white striped shirt and a goofy hat. The author of every Where's Waldo book assures us that Waldo is on every page. Personally, I have my doubts <laughs> because Waldo is hard to find. He just looks so ordinary. As John Newton puts it, the author has this knack for hiding Waldo in the very place that you least expect to find him. And because Waldo looks so ordinary, finding him requires patience and intentionality and a decision to cling to the promise that Waldo is really there. Well, it turns out finding what is special in the midst of what is ordinary is not a skill we are born with. It is something you have to learn. Jesus knew that. Perhaps that was one reason he spent so much of his time telling stories and using metaphors and similes to describe for us what it looks like to live in relationship to God. Jesus knew that while the holy God inhabits every single inch and every single moment of every single ordinary day with us, that we may not notice the presence of the divine. So today, Jesus tells us the kingdom of heaven, the realm of God's justice and peace and love is like a tiny mustard seed. It starts out small, so insignificant, so seemingly ordinary we might miss it. But then that tiny seed grows to become the greatest of all shrubs, as Jesus says. Now, Jesus could have chosen a more regal image of a majestic kingdom. You know, mustard plants, they're not even trees. They are more like invasive, fast-growing shrubs. They top out at a mere six feet, maybe eight feet if they are lucky. So why didn't Jesus give us a kingdom metaphor we could really look up to? 
He could have likened God's realm to the mighty cedar, say, or the the ubiquitous Douglas fir, which we have all around us here in Edmonds. But no, instead what we get is the mustard plant, which some see as little more than an obnoxious weed. Finding what is special in the midst of what is ordinary is something we have to learn. And apparently we have to relearn it over and over again. We look for God's realm to be the way that we would imagine it. Something powerful and impressive and shiny. Something extraordinary. But Jesus offers a kingdom suffused with mercy rather than power. One that is found in the small and the unlikely and the ordinary. So we have to learn along with those first disciples how to find what is special in the midst of what is ordinary. We have to figure out how to pay attention to the little things that matter in order to find the utterly absurd hope of God which resides even within our darkest fear or our deepest dread. Jesus' parables, like the gospel message overall, they are not meant to be like the comfort of a favorite blankie. If we take Jesus seriously, we take his description of God's realm to heart, and then we are going to have to change. We are going to have to change the ordinary aspects of our lives. How we shop, how we save, how we spend, how we give, how we share, how we love, how we live, in all the little things that it turns out really do matter. And change, that is nobody's favorite thing to do. I remember well the first time I was introduced to the notion of competing worldviews. I think I was in the sixth grade, and I remember being very annoyed. What do you mean, I said to my teacher, the way I see the world is not the only way to see it. I remember thinking to myself, this means I'm going to have to do a lot more work. You see, I really liked that partial old world view, the one I had grown up with, the one which was familiar and comfortable and easy. But Jesus did not come to tell us what is familiar and comfortable or to give us only what is easy. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which is always expanding, always growing, always present when people of faith take on seemingly simple acts of love and risk their own familiar, comfortable world views. The kingdom of God is always evolving whenever people of faith pay attention to the little things that matter. 
Things like building consensus instead of building walls. Things like sharing resources instead of hoarding the goods. Things like telling the truth in love and living out our own truth. Things like believing and acting on the belief that God is the center of our being and we are not. Someone else put it this way, for all of the planning and precision and persistence it takes to build a kingdom of rule and a reign of power and wealth and armies and empire and bloody wars and crushing our enemies to dust, in the kingdom of God, a dream, a vision, a provocation of something coming into the world Planning and precision and persistence give way to surprise and simplicity and sheer possibility. Sheer possibility. Well, I couldn't resist of just one story from vacation. <laughs> one of the things that I love to do and my daughter Kate, who was with me, also enjoys is snorkeling. And one day when we were out in the, early in the morning, we kind of made a tactical error. We went somewhere we really shouldn't have gone, and uh, we got caught in one of those um, tie or currents, you know, where we realized pretty soon it was going to be hard to get back to shore. And so I said to her, oh, don't panic, don't panic. We'll just swim parallel to shore for a while, and pretty soon we'll get out of that. And, then we'll be able to go in. So we're swimming along and swimming along, and pretty soon I feel this tap on my shoulder. And I turn around and Kate says to me, Mom, are those sharks or just really big fish? And I said to her, I'm gonna choose to believe they're really big fish. <laughs> and we just kept swimming and the sharks didn't really care one whit about us. <laughs> Sometimes, it takes surprise, and it takes spontaneity, and it takes the sheer possibility of the waters we swim in before we recognize the kingdom of God in our midst. Well, if you're not convinced that God's realm is like a mustard seed, well, how about this? Do you like it better if it's yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of flour until it was all leavened? Or how about, do you prefer it to be like treasure hidden in a field which someone finds and goes and buys that field? Or is it for you like a merchant in search of fine pearls and on finding one pearl of great value, he goes and sells everything he has to buy it? it occurs to me that the one thing all these images have in common is their invisibility. They are easily overlooked if you are not paying attention. They are hidden, just like Waldo. If you are not looking for the seed hidden in the ground or the yeast in the dough or the treasure in the field or the one pearl of great value amongst all the ordinary ones, 
If God's realm is likewise something that you're not looking for, if you're not looking just below the surface or beyond your own limited worldview, you are not going to find it. You have to search in the most ordinary places because it's often hidden right in plain sight. Barbara Brown Taylor puts it this way, what if God has hidden the kingdom in the last place any of us would ever think to look in the ordinary circumstance of your ordinary everyday life? Like a silver spoon in the drawer with the stainless, like a diamond necklace on the bureau with the rhinestones, the extraordinary hidden in the ordinary. The kingdom of heaven is all mixed in with the humdrum and the ho-hum of our days, as easy to find as an amaryllis bulb in the dark basement that suddenly sends forth a shoot, or a child's smile when she awakes from sleep, or the first thunderstorm after a long drought, all of them signs of God's realm and clues to the holiness hidden in the dullest of days. Paying attention to the little things that matter, that is what makes a difference as we are searching for the kingdom in our midst. I have in my office a small brass plaque which bears an inscription Carl Jung chose to hang over the doorway into his home. It reads, bidden or unbidden, God is present. Whether we notice or not, whether we invite God in or not, whether we believe or trust or accept God or not, God is present in the ordinary, making it extraordinary. God is present when an ordinary conversation deepens to allow an extraordinary vulnerability. God is present when an ordinary errands expands to offer an extraordinary moment of hospitality. God is present when an ordinary person finally understands the extraordinary possibilities of grace. Jesus was particularly adept at noticing this bidden or unbidden presence and suggests in the parables we heard today that we would do well to pay similar attention. Pay attention to the mustard seed moment, which at first glance seems too insignificant or maybe too intrusive to value. Pay attention to the unexpected treasure you stumble over when you are so busy thinking about what comes next that you almost miss what comes now. Pay attention to the things which really matter, the priorities which bring meaning and value and hope to you today. My friends, our treasure is not hidden in some exotic far-off place we can't get to. Our treasure is not buried in some long-lost, musty old tome weighed down by ancient worldviews. 
Our treasure does not demand high-tech global positioning satellites or specialty exploration gear because Christ marks the spot, which is right here. And right here and right now. Our treasure, God's realm, is found in all the ordinary people, places, and pursuits of our lives, and through the little things that matter. I close today with a few words from the late Representative John Lewis, who came to be known as the conscience of Congress for his never-ending pursuit of justice and his attention to the little things that really matter. He wrote, you are a light. You are the light. Never let anyone, any person or any force dampen, dim or diminish your light. Study the path of others to make your way easier and more abundant. Lean toward the whispers of your own heart. Discover the universal truth and follow its dictates. Release the need to hate, to harbor division and the enticement of revenge. Release all bitterness. Hold only love, only peace in your heart knowing that the battle of good to overcome evil is already won. Choose confrontation wisely, but when it is your time, don't be afraid to stand up, speak up, and speak out against injustice. Don't be afraid to get in some good trouble. And if you follow your truth down the road to peace, and the affirmation of love, if you shine like a beacon for all to see, then the poetry of all the great dreamers and philosophers is yours to manifest in a nation, a world community, and a beloved community that is finally at peace with itself. So be it. Thanks be to God for all the little things that matter. Amen.
Let us pray. O Holy One, you are the God of great and glorious works. You are also the God of small things, seemingly insignificant moments, treasures hidden in ordinary days. Help us to see the great and glorious in the small things that matter, spending time and giving attention to the children in our midst, caring for our neighbors in times of crisis or need, welcoming the stranger, practicing curiosity rather than suspicion, doing whatever we can to help cool the planet, witnessing to the transformative power of Christ. We lift to you today those in this community in need of healing or of hope. Katie and Bev, Bob and Janet, Cheryl, Fred, Judson, Janet, Howard, Deborah, and David. We also pray for Lori, for Duane, for Debbie, Andy, and Ted, for Bill, for Rachel. You, Lord, you know that small things matter, things like prayers for healing and for hope and for grieving our loved ones lost. So we lift to your care, Kelly on the death of her mother and all the friends and family of Donovan Cleveno. Touch them with your grace to strengthen and support them. Remind us all that little things do matter. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. In a moment of silence, Lord, we lift to you our own particular little things. Hear us now as we pray together the prayer which Jesus taught. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. I now invite us into a time of giving. 
The offering plate will be passed in the sanctuary, and I encourage you to be generous as God has been generous to us. If you are worshiping with us online, you may give in two ways. You can go to edmundsumc.org give and access the give link on the top right corner. You may also give by regular mail and send checks to 828 Casper Street, Edmonds, Washington, 98020, and many thanks.
Gracious God, accept these generous offerings given with love. Guide us to use these gifts to care for those in need. Please bless all our ministries and those who are dedicated to live God's love, justice, and compassion. Amen. Just a couple of quick announcements this morning. If you'll take a look at the bulletin at the back, you'll see we have lots of volunteer opportunities, everything from lay liturgist to helping with children during worship to helping with the youth group, all kinds of things, helping in the office. Um, if you're looking for a place to serve, we can help you find your spot. And all those little things really do matter. Um, also, if you were here last Sunday and you received the uh, strategic planning uh, questionnaire and you brought it back today, you can hand it to me or to Diana Nielsen, our lovely scripture reader of the day, uh, as you exit the sanctuary today. And then I hope you'll mark your calendar for August 13th, right after this worship service in Wesley Hall, we'll be having our next all comers gathering as we take a look at what we've received from all of you regarding strategic planning hopes and dreams and also uh, learn a little bit more about the demographics of the congregation and the surrounding community as we begin to work again toward coming up with our missional identity and three to five priorities for our work together. Um, also, I want to uh, just highlight that we will be having a memorial service for Donovan Cleveno on August 10th here in our sanctuary. And now if you would stand for the closing hymn.
Now, my friends, let us go out to be God's people in all God's world. Remember, you are a light. You may think it's a small light, but it matters. And may the peace of Christ go with us all. Amen.